Hey lovebirds, happy wedding Wednesday and welcome to episode 68 of Your I Do Crew, a wedding planning podcast. Each week, co-hosts Atan and Lindsay bring over 30 years of industry experience to the table with insight and interviews from local and national wedding pros to give you the best tips, tricks, and hacks that will take the stress out of your wedding planning process and help elevate your special day. So grab something old and something new. It's time to listen to Your, your I, I Do, do Crew. You know what, crew? I am going full millennial today because I just can't even. Today's guest is awesome. Erica Miley is a relationship expert and a licensed mental health counselor specializing in sex therapy and relationship therapy. She's also the host of the Sex Talk with Erica Miley podcast, which is one of my favorites. Today, we're chatting with Erica about a bunch of amazing information, including premarital counseling, couples therapy, and when to seek it out, polyamory, relationship communication, how fighting can help you stay married, relationship pitfalls to avoid, the list goes on and on. But I'll stop talking now, so you can listen to her. No, we're, we're super excited to have you on. Uh, I know when Lindsay had told me that uh, that you'd reached out to her, we were very excited to have you on. So I mean, we can start by telling people your name. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a thing. I'm Erica Miley. <laughs> I'm a mental and sexual health therapist. So I work with couples, big surprise, and any like relationship formation. I work with couples and their problems all the time. Awesome. <laughs> any relationship formation. I like that. So what do you call a couple that's more than two people? Is it a triple? <laughs> or a thruple? A thruple. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. A thruple. <laughs> Quadru- uh, quadruple? Quadruple. Like, I, I just like making up words. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That is so fun. And where are you based out of? So I, uh, my practice is actually completely online. Wow. Really? I'm licensed in Washington State, where we're originally from, and I see a lot of clients through Washington State. Uh, We live in Florida, so I see folks in Florida, but I'm also a relationship coach, so I can see a lot of folks that way anywhere, anywhere all over the world. That is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And you said that you do some, you do couples counseling, throuples, and you know, any other upples. (laughs) Yes. Counseling, you do premarital, postmarital relationship. Um, what, What do you find are some of the, um, your, your, I don't want to say repeat offenders, but mm. <laughs> what do you find is your most frequent, um, issue that people come to you about? Um, there's, there's several. And one of the biggest things they tell me is that it, we have communication problems and then mm-hmm. we jump into it and it's actually a sexual problem or <laughs> we, we jump into it and it turns out there was infidelity or there was trauma Ooh. that was in somebody's uh, life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so oftentimes people think it's one problem or it's, it's manifesting as one problem, but it ends up usually being something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and typically something from their past, because a lot of times I, I, one of the first things I tell people in premarital counseling, especially about like conflict is your conflict style and how you interact with one another comes from your caregivers, mm-hmm. <laughs> how you grew up, how you watched other people have relationship is how you're going to do relationship with all of the positive and negatives associated with it. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and people, you know, they joke like, I didn't want to become my mother. I didn't want to become my father. It's like, <laughs> no, you're not going to become them. You're just going to take their bad habits with you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it almost sounds trite, but children live what they learn. Exactly. 
And uh, that was one of my biggest fears when I became a, a dad. And I'm always very open about this. I'm a huge mental health advocate. Um, right before I became a father, I entered therapy and yes. helped me get away from a lot of issues that I was still carrying from my childhood. I'm even 38 damn years old. So yeah. even knowing that the way that I parent is a reflection mm-hmm. of how I was parented. Yes. Exactly. And so that's a lot of the, a lot of what's behind a lot of the relationship issues that you see. Yes, absolutely. I when when I talk with folks, a lot of times the things that come up the most is the things that from their their past, from their caregivers, but also their prior relationships. Mm-hmm. Because it's like we pack our baggage, you know, to take our emotional baggage <laughs> or our emotional backpack mm-hmm. along the way from childhood on through, and we just keep adding to the bags. And until you actually go through the bags and sort what's necessary and what's necessary or what's helpful to you or what's unhelpful to you like mm-hmm. through therapy, you're just going to keep carrying those bags with you. Yeah. yeah. And it gets heavier and heavier every year. Yeah. So therapy is kind of like a, a, a luggage stop on a, on a flight or a train or something. It's kind of <laughs> totally. like the, uh, the baggage carousel. Yes. And sometimes you pick up baggage that doesn't match yours and you shouldn't have. <laughs> and sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes a therapist can help you go, oh, yo, that, that's not working. Yeah. Put that damn bag down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ideally, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. So, so you, you exclusively work with, uh, with couples and relationships. Um, I actually work, I work with couples and individuals and I also work with, um, I, I was telling you guys that um, I work with ethically non-monogamous folks. So people mm-hmm. who are poly or swingers or, um, so sometimes they come to me as an individual and they're just trying to figure out their own sexuality and how mm-hmm. that fits within a relationship. Or they're trying to figure out how their, how their relationship style has impacted them overall, how, how, why they're choosing the people they're ending up with, or mm-hmm. they don't want to choose those folks anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I spend a lot of time with individuals, groups, and with uh, couples. So I kind of mm-hmm. do all the things. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I still love the term ethically non-monogamous. That is, is, that, <laughs> is that an industry standard? Um, well, I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of, of course, there's so many jargony words. I like, mm-hmm. I like ethically non-monogamous because it's really, really, you have decided to be open about wanting, ha- wanting to have other sexual partners mm-hmm. outside of your current relationship, whether mm-hmm. it's one, whether it's two, however, however that looks can, can look in various different, I mean, people who swing, people who are polyamorous, so they have, you know, maybe several romantic pro- partners that mm-hmm. are committed. Um, so there's lots of different formations of it. Yeah. And everybody needs therapy. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now that, um, so now as a, as a relationship counselor and seeing this and hearing this, the ethically non-monogamous, um, the rise of polyamorous culture nowadays has mm-hmm. been, um, it's, it's really kind of, I don't want to say taking the world by storm, but you hear about it a lot more. Now, do you mm-hmm. think that that's because it is just we have the internet so we know about things that have always been there? Do you think that it's more prevalent nowadays than it was 25, 30 years ago? 
I think that probably more than anything, a, a lot of a, we have more, so much more access to information mm-hmm. than and actually friends, friends of uh, friends of ours were and we were talking with another couple. Um, we were talking about this very thing, like how we were raised because I'm in my 30s mm-hmm. and so is my husband and how we were raised as children is completely different than how we are raising our children yeah. just based on the amount of information that we have access to. Mm-hmm. My my parents had books, newspapers, and the news. And I mean, the library, like that's, that's what they had access (laughs) to. They didn't have until we were much older access to the internet. And even then the internet was in its infancy. Good old dial up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You turn it on and you wait to check your email. You go do something else. You go wash the dishes. Right. And (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I just think the access of information, period, has increased just the knowledge of polyamory. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, people are understanding that it, it's – I'm not – I'm not I'm not ever going to be the person that say, that, you know, monogamy doesn't work because I, I personally choose monogamy. Mm-hmm. But m- they understand that maybe monogamy may not work for them. Mm-hmm. And they want to check that out. They want to figure that out. And they want to figure out, oh, okay, how does my sex life fit with that? Mm-hmm. How does how does me wanting maybe a family someday f- fit with that? So I think people are just more they're they're they have the ability to get more information, and they're more likely to at least look into it. Whereas before, that w- there was a lot of darkness around it, mm-hmm. at least a mm-hmm. lot of a, a lot of miss like misbeliefs or or myths about it that you would heard hear from a friend not necessarily you know look up on dr google to find out about it yeah so more so so we're seeing a lot of visibility of maybe cultures and, and identities and things that we didn't see before because there was no platform for that and that's causing people to reevaluate and say hey well maybe Maybe that's me. Maybe this feeling that I didn't understand before, that's me. Yeah, absolutely. I think they actually can see that it, it, there's something, there's magic that happens, not only just in therapy, but when you, like some of the online groups, when people can get into a group and go, oh, you mean I'm not alone in this thing? Mm-hmm. This feeling that I have? Oh, oh, that's awesome. I don't feel like, because oftentimes we'll call ourselves terrible names, like I'm a freak, I'm broken, I'm bad, because we think we're the only person to ever experience these feelings, when in reality, they're much more normal than we think. Yeah. Yeah. And since this episode is coming up around Valentine's Day, do people tend to have those thoughts more during Valentine's Day season? (laughs) Perhaps. I, th- <laughs> I think Valentine's Day is such an interesting cultural event. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> interesting cultural expectation mm-hmm. or non-expectation. <laughs> yeah, anti-expectation. Yeah, I and it's. I think it's tough to be. Um, I think it's tough to be coupled or to be uncoupled during <laughs> Valentine's Day because there's expectations either direction. Mm-hmm. So when you're uh, when you're single, maybe you're supposed to be looking for a partner if you want to or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. if you're with or if you're with somebody, there's an expectation that you're supposed to be doing very specific things and celebrating this person in some way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it's not necessarily a, a helpful holiday for all of us, but I, I mean, I think it's all in how you look at it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> One of the things that I I find interesting about. Um, 
sexual relationships, especially around this time of year, there tends to be like an expectation that you should try something new on Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. Or, <laughs> or that you need to be spice up the relationship, right? And a lot of people oftentimes they'll come to me and they, they're like, we don't even know where to begin. Mm. We, we have so many <laughs> hangups around sex or we have, mm. we, we don't even know what to try. We picked up this game. We went to lovers. And we picked up this game. <laughs> it's really awkward. We have to roll this dice and the dice tells us to do weird things. And we don't know what to do. And one of the things I work with my client, my clients on is, you know, Hey, novelty, the brain is easily entertained. Mm-hmm. It, it it craves novelty in any form a lot of the time. And, and novelty can just be any form of numinous. So it could be just a new sexual position that you try. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know, oh, jump right into BDSM. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> try a new environment. Try you know, a lot of the times my, uh, my married couples that I work with that have, especially that have families, mm-hmm. one of the first things I tell them to do is when they have date night away, to have sex first. To not wait until after the dinner because you're full and then you're tired <laughs> and then because you're tired because you're a damn parent and you're thinking about what the kids could be doing at home. They're destroying the house with the babysitter. So I tell them, get find that spark and first don't don't wait until the date is over, because let's be real. When it's late at night, all we want to do is go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all about that sleep. Yeah, right? <laughs> such, oh my god, that's such a good. I mean, that's such a great piece of simple piece of advice. Just change up the order of operations. Yeah. Yes. I mean, because especially when you go out for date night as a couple who like if you have kids or even if you don't have kids, mm-hmm. like the idea is, oh, OK, we're going on a date night. This is going to end with sex. So mm-hmm. then there's a lot of anticipation. And mm-hmm. sometimes that anticipation can be good. Sometimes it actually can be harmful because sometimes people will worry so much. Oh, like, oh, do I look right? Or does this part of my body going to show? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's lots of the, the mind is a machine that is made to think and it doesn't it's not necessarily our ally nor our enemy or enemy and <laughs> or our enema enema <laughs> enema that too <laughs> but another great way to start the night yeah. exactly <laughs> <laughs> being being okay with just just changing up the pattern mm-hmm. and that's really can, all it can take to give your mind give your relationship that novelty and newness well and even even just in general with relationships not even just you know, when it comes to sex or when it comes to big days like Valentine's Day, even for mental health, sometimes changing up the pattern can help, right? Right. Absolutely. I mean, um, we build patterns in our mind. Our mind loves the easy route. Like if, if you've been like, especially like with negative thoughts, if you've been thinking a negative thought about yourself for a really long time, your brain knows to do that. It's mm-hmm. like a slip and slide for mm-hmm. them. For them. Our, like our brain is more than one thing. <laughs> <laughs> your brain is like, it's like, oh, okay, this route I know. This route is an easy place to send those, send those impulses down mm-hmm. to change, to d- to change how you think, it, it takes some. It takes a little bit of effort because you're essentially building a new brain pathway. Mm-hmm. You're building something new. So small changes are a little, a little easier for your brain to take on than really big dramatic ones. I mean, one of the things we know now is that willpower is not a thing. It's not a thing we have. It's not a thing we do well as humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's why um, 
especially during this first part of the year, even before, you know, before Valentine's Day or right at Valentine's Day, a lot of people are giving up those New Year's resolutions and things like that. It's because the idea of willpower doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So being able to make small, small changes in your relationships, small changes for yourself, small changes in your thoughts, you're more likely to do them. And it's more uh, typically easier for your brain to tolerate. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and you know, much in the same way, like a slip and slide, or if you're driving a car at 60 miles per hour, it's a lot easier to take a slow, gradual curve, minor adjustments than it is to take an immediate 90 degree turn. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you try to do the 90 degree turn, you might flip the car. No, don't do it. (laughs) Exactly. A lot of times people think, especially with their relationship, oh, it's going to be like a speedboat. You're going to be able to change course that quickly. When in reality, it's more like trying to turn a cruise ship. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're trying, you're going to make slow movements and the progress might feel slow. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing about like, couples therapy is that there is movement, especially when people pick up the tools that we talk about and, and, and I help them like discover what their relationship needs. Once they pick those tools up, things can move. They can feel and see a difference. One of the, for I, one of my, um, I have calls for new clients all the time. And one of the many questions I get is, does this actually work? (laughs) Does it actually, does this actually work? Can we rebuild trust? Yeah. Can, can things be different? And the first thing I say to them is, yes, I see it happen. And I see it happen every single day. That's awesome. So, so I have two questions related to that is when do, when is it, what's a good sign for couples to know that they should go to a relationship counselor or a a couples therapist or a sexual therapist? What are some of the signs? And then I guess the follow-up would be, is there ever a time where it is too broken, where it is where they should say, skip that step and just say, we out? Yeah, uh, this is, these, these are such good questions. I, I think the first, the first question to ask yourself is, are, do, when you look at your body and you break your arm, what do you do? Go to the doctor. You go to a doctor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if something has happened and something you don't understand, it doesn't necessarily have to be like infidelity or something big. Maybe it's just something that you don't know how to manage or you don't know how to – because like I said before, our caregivers kind of map the way for our relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe you encounter something in your relationship that you've never experienced or seen before. It, it's okay to go to a therapist to get a, get that outside perspective and hmm. say, hey, yo, we don't know how to do this. Or say you have been married and you're remarrying and you're blending a family and you don't know how to do that. It's okay to see a therapist to help you with that. Mm-hmm. And to navigate those waters because they're not easy to navigate on your own. And oftentimes the most successful couples that I see treat therapy like uh, taking vitamins. So they don't necessarily stay in therapy forever. It's not really like that. They go to premarital counseling or they go to counseling early in their relationship and say, hey, we want to build good building blocks. And then they come in for checkups periodically. 
they're like, oh, we kind of had this hang up in our communication. We've been using these skills, but we don't really know how to manage this, this thing. Can you help us with that? They seem to be more successful because it's, it's like that terrible, you know, apple a day keeps the doctor, doctor away Mm -hmm. saying. Yeah. It's kind of similar with therapy that if you are caretaking from your relationship, your relationship from the beginning, it the, it will it and can be easier than if you don't ever do that mm-hmm. from at all. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it does. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you you mentioned communication. Is that important for couples to have? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, Nobody, and this is, I think this is part of, I I think this is one of the things that we need to look at, not only just our educational system generally, we need to look at this problem a little differently. One, we're not teaching sex ed Mm -hmm. uh, or we're teaching it badly. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And we're also not teaching healthy relationship skills. Mm. And those are two things that should always be together, that we should be teaching them both together. How to fight with someone. And we're not just talking about romantic partners. Many of the skills that I teach my clients, they're skills that can go towards friendship. Mm. They're skills that can go towards your coworkers. So learning how to have conflict when you're facing uncomfortable emotions is really, really important to be able to learn. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I recently did a 50-year vow renewal ceremony for a couple, and it was amazing and incredible. And I asked the the couple afterwards, I said, can you give me some advice that I can give to my young couples? How did you make it 50 years? And I... I, I swear to God, the first thing the husband said was, learn how to fight. And I said, yeah. what? Yes. And he goes, learn how to fight yes. the right way. Mm. Not digging at each other, not blaming each other, but learn how to fight the right. And, and that blew my mind. It was like that mind expanding meme on Facebook. It's like light, <laughs> in this rays of light shooting out of my brain. I'm like, oh my gosh. Rainbows and unicorns came. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> all the rainbows, all the unicorns. I- that's actually one of the first exercises I do with my couples when they come to me mm-hmm. is we do an exercise called the rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean rules of engagement of getting married, <laughs> rules of war. <laughs> and they are going to establish them from the beginning and they're going to post them around their house so that they remember them. And part of those rules of war come from those things that trigger us from our past. Mm-hmm. Some people cannot tolerate yelling because dad used to scream at them. Some people can't tolerate swearing because mom used to swear at them and tell them they were a bad kid. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, we all have something. We all have one of those things that tends to trigger us into shutdown and we're not hearing another person anymore. Mm -hmm. The other thing is we don't realize is that when we're in conflict, we're actually using an old part of our brain. It's where fight or flight or freeze is. Mm-hmm. We're using that amygdala that's in our brain that is the smoke detector. It's like, yo, there's a cheetah in the room. You need to run, play dead, or fight this thing. You need to make decisions really quick. Mm-hmm. You're not using that wonderful prefrontal cortex, which is that that emotion manager, the manager of being able to say the things that you really want to say rather than things that you, know, you don't want to say. Mm-hmm. So- Learning those rules of engagement, but also allowing yourself to take a 20-minute break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> my couples are like, well, we take breaks and then we don't ever come back to it. I'm like, that's the issue. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a break. Yeah. You're, <laughs> so, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so 
you're going to actually make a 20 minute timer. We have so many devices in our lives that you can set a 20 minute timer. Mm. Like, in, like I could yell at Alexa from here, like in, to, yeah. to set a 20 minute yeah. timer. And there is there's research, there's science behind the 20 minutes. It takes 20 minutes for your physiological body to calm down uh. so that you then have access to that prefrontal cortex so that you no longer think that there is a cheetah in the room. <laughs> I love that. So it kind of that's the the time limit to reset the lizard brain and let you access the people brain again. Exactly. You're again human and you will again not say the things that you would say yeah. because you're trying to defend yourself. It's like having a spear in your hands and you're just trying to defend yourself and get yourself out of the corner. Mm-hmm. So say things that are mean you may say things that you can never take back so rather than doing that taking that 20 minute breaks uh, break allowing yourself to take it and not chase your your partner around the house Mm -hmm. people do that too (laughs) we need to solve it right now Uh, right now and here's too close to home anger and and (laughs) anger and fear they make it's a red herring they make us think that we have to make decisions right now Mm. when you don't Wow. Just going to want to let that one sit there for a second. That's. You're just, mm. just like, you're like, quit reading my diary. That's right. <laughs> I'm a little triggered right now by the Alexa timer for 20 minutes because we're doing potty training and that's all my whole life right now. It's like 20 minute Alexa timer. I was like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. You. Oh, oh, it's awful. Uh, oh my gosh. This is, this is such great information mm-hmm. and it's so good. Um, to, to get all this information out there for couples to, and throuples and, and all those other folks <laughs> to do these things and to have this, these tools at their disposal. Um, so you, I know earlier you said you did premarital counseling. Now, do you, do you think that more couples should do premarital counseling or they should just seek it out if they feel like it's necessary? What's, what's the litmus test on that? I think we actually have research for this. We have we have research that shows that premarital counseling actually reduces the rate of divorce by like a ridiculous amount. It's like seventy percent. Wow! And and it and the reason that is is because of what we were talking about earlier. You're uncovering the rocks. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the baggage. You're looking at all this stuff, and you're building a foundation that can withstand many more many more instances of suffering because we're going to have it. Everybody's going to have pain. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to have suffering that we are meant to learn to defend against it. So being able to go into a therapist's office and say, Hey, we want to learn to be the best couple that we can be. Mm -hmm. And that, that can help you uncomfortable, like look for the weak points before you realize it when you're standing in the kitchen fighting with each other. Yeah. Now, now you said, explicitly, and I wanted to kind of camp on this a little bit, go into a therapist's office. Um, and mm-hmm. and so we're going to put a, a kind of a line between the premarital counseling that you would get with a, a counselor or a therapist, someone who's trained in that versus a um, spiritual leader who may just be going from a book. Yes. Yes. Very, very big difference. Mm-hmm. And some of those folks um, are trained as therapists. I actually went to school with some of those mm-hmm. folks who had been to seminary or they had, um, they were ordained ministers or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. And they went to school to get really, really good clinical skills mm-hmm. so that they could help couples in a really, really fantastic way. And I actually keep a couple of those folks as referrals in my back pocket mm. for people who want more like faith-based counseling because that's not something I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
they have the clinical skills that I know and trust that they can get, they can get to what that couple needs mm-hmm. and they can do it in a really cool and ethical way. Cool. So, so there is a Venn diagram in which there are, there are therapists and there are faith based leaders and there is some overlap, but it's not a one-to-one. Exactly. So that's exactly good to know. And couples should seek out one that mm-hmm. is going to be most appropriate for them. Absolutely. That matches whatever they're really looking for and whatever they're going to feel the most comfortable with. Because honestly, therapy works the best when the relationship with that therapist is good, because the relationship is what can really ultimately at the end of the day, make the change Mm -hmm. because you're essentially working on the hardest things, even together, even as you talk, because the therapist is saying, Hey, I'm going to stick with you no matter what you say to me, no matter, no matter how you handle a problem, we're going to talk about it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So given that, if a couple feels that they should or want to seek out a relationship therapist, a sexual therapist, what's the best way for them to find one? So there's a couple. I mean, a lot of times I get, I'll kind of tell you how clients make it to me. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they'll do a Google search and they'll find my website, Mm -hmm. which is ericmyway.com. Quick little plug in there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you later, but that's perfect right there. Also, like um, there is something called psychology today. And oftentimes when you search for like many people will go into Dr. Google and they will say Mm -hmm. problems with relationship and then things will pop up and the the Google algorithm will get them to psychology today and then they'll find therapists that way. Um, Or even faith-based therapists, the kind of the combo that I was talking about earlier. And I, we also refer people ourselves. So if, if someone calls me and I'm not their best fit because that I would be doing harm if I was not the best fit for them. So I, if I know another colleague that I think, oh, this would be a good fit for, I would actually refer them to that, that colleague. So say, say they had real small kids. I actually don't work with really small kids. I work with Mm -hmm. pretty much adolescents and up. If they have real small kids and they have an issue, they want their real small kids to be seen by therapists. I have a couple of those folks in my head that I go, oh, okay, I know where I'm going to send you to. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. So um, Google is helpful, um, but also maybe asking some folks in your life that have had, uh, I have definitely gotten referred people by people I know. So yeah, they they will people who have had a good experience in therapy will tell you about it. The mm-hmm. people who have had a bad experience with therapy will tell you about it too. Which is sad. True. <laughs> but it, don't let that keep you from looking for a good relationship. And we do not, as therapists, take it personally when someone needs to move on from us because it's not mm-hmm. a good fit. That's awesome. Yeah, I had a uh, I had an amazing therapist who uh, who I worked with before my son was born, and I got to a really really great place. And then we parted ways, and about three months later, she retired. Oh no, it's so great for her. But then you're like, now what? Mm-hmm. It was she and her wife moved to Portugal, and I'm like, you know, good on you. But also sad. <laughs> but also sad. Oh, God, there's no going back. Nope. Just gotta go to Portugal. Gotta go track her down. <laughs> yeah. If she's offering online sessions. For yes. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here um, so that we can get let you get back to your life and uh, 
uh, Erica, we wanted to thank you so much for, for coming on and chatting with us today. It's been amazing. Yes. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, and I do have, I, if, if it's okay, I, I do have a couple things coming up that mm-hmm. yeah. um, folks might be interested, especially if you're in a relationship. Uh, my husband and I are offering some, we're offering a free workshop on January 8th. You can actually sign up at ericamiley.com forward slash workshop. And it is, oh, by this time, oh yeah, it's February when people are listening to this. So we'll probably be offering another one um, after that, but (laughs) we're offering free free workshops to get people acquainted with us because we're going to be offering small group relationship coaching about sex, money, and how that impacts your relationship also, how does the power differential in in sex and relationships and with money affect the relationship? So mm-hmm. we're going to be doing um, sets uh, sets of five couples only, and um, it's going to be a good time. And it's affordable, only forty dollars a week. So oh, nice! It's 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 accessible to people. We wanted to be able to people to be able to access this. Um, so we tried to make it at least as affordable as we possibly could. Yeah, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That is very cool. And then I, I do have my podcast, which is free, and that's Sex Talk with Erica Miley. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was just going to have you plug that. Yes, please. <laughs> and uh, that is, and we found that, and that's on most uh, podcast platforms. Yes, Spotify, anywhere, pretty much anywhere you can get them. Uh, iTunes. Um, I don't think I'm on Stitcher, but I, I haven't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't looked. I should. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I use Podcast Addict, and I found you right away. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. I use um, I use Podbean as my uh, so usually anything that'll stream from Podbean or that mm-hmm. feeds mm-hmm. Podbean, I uh, I am on there. So if you search Erica Miley, I will pop right up. Perfect. Cool. And then the last thing before we go, I always love to ask our our guests. It doesn't have to be work related, but what is something right now that is bringing you a lot of joy? Oh, this is, this is, uh, I'm just going to show my nerd here really quick. Um, (laughs) I I am playing a game called Witcher 3. Yes. Um, On the Geralt. Yes. On the PlayStation. (laughs) And it's bringing me lots of joy, but there's lots of moments where I get really scared because I'm a weenie when it comes to this kind of thing. I (laughs) I just tell my husband, I have a really good threat system. So when I go into a dark room, I get freaked out. Um, there you go. <laughs> I'm like, I love Kill that. this monster for me because I can't do it. I'm scared. <laughs> but it's bringing me a lot of joy. As I've had a cold, um, I've been able to play the game for more hours than I'd like to admit. Hey, that's all right. That's awesome. Nice. Well, Erica, thank you so much. Um, we'd love to have you back on again. And I hope that some of our listeners reach out to you and take advantage of uh, what you've offered. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for having me. If you liked what Erica had to say, you should definitely check out and subscribe to her podcast, Sex Talk with Erica Miley. You can find it on most podcasting platforms. If you like what you heard, you can also help us support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash crew and pledging as little as $1 a month to help us keep finding and interviewing these amazing guests. But even if you can't support us, we always say thank you so much for listening. There are a lot of podcasts out there, and we're so glad that you choose to spend your time with us. Be sure to tune in next week when we'll be bringing you our first wedding horror story of 2019. This is Atan, owner and chief officiant of Weddings for the Ages. You can find us on The Knot, Wedding Wire, Facebook, and Instagram as Weddings for the Ages. And this is Lindsay Roselle with Lucky Bird Photography. You can find me on Wedding Wire, The Knot, and you can also find me on social media using at Lucky Bird Photo. If you liked what you heard today, help us spread the love. 
comment, like, rate, and review on iTunes and Google Play, and share on your favorite social media platforms. We love feedback. So if you have any suggestions or if you want to ask us a question, email us at feedback at youridocrew.com. Thanks for listening, and here's to love, laughter, and happily ever after. Cheers. Cheers. I want to get, I want to get, I want to get married. Music credits are as follows. Song title, I Want to Get Married, by artist D. Cylinders, from the Free Music Archive. Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international.